We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go, you Redbirds! Go, you Redbirds! On the battle, fight for ISU! Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again, and welcome in to another edition of In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. Today, we visit with men's basketball assistant coach Rob Judson, who is currently in his second stint on the Redbird coaching staff and has compiled an incredibly successful run as both an assistant and a head coach throughout his 30-plus years on the college basketball sidelines. Today's podcast is brought to you, as always, by Jason's Deli. Redbird fans, all good things start with wholesome ingredients. Visit Jason's Deli and Normal on Veterans Parkway today and receive free ice cream with every purchase. Coach Judson, thanks so much for stopping by today. 30-plus years in Division I college basketball on the sidelines, but if we go back even a little bit further a very successful career as a player both at high school and in college at the University of Illinois down in Champaign where you played for Lou Henson, a two-time academic All-Big Ten selection, and even a Casada academic All-American. Well, I enjoyed my time uh, playing for Coach Henson at the University of Illinois. Uh, it was a great experience for me. Learned a lot from the uh, basketball aspect Uh, At that time, had the opportunity to compete against some tremendous, tremendous players in the Big Ten. Kevin McHale, Magic Johnson, Herb Williams, uh, Joe Barry Carroll, uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, that's going to probably refresh some people's memories, but uh, uh, it was certainly a, a great time uh, in, in college basketball, a great time in the Big Ten. It was a different game at that time when you think about no three-point line, no shot clock, 
A lot of times in the Big Ten, it was Mortal Kombat uh, for those baskets. Uh, but certainly uh, an enjoyable experience. And uh, rest in peace, Coach Henson. Uh, I learned a lot from him, and he gave me a tremendous opportunity and really also helped me in my coaching career as uh, as time went on. Still the record holder at Illinois in free throw shooting percentage, and you come from north suburban Zion, Illinois. As you went through this, it was one heck of a career. You were named the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Fame as a player. That's not too shabby. Well, I had another opportunity to play for my dad in high school, so I got to take a lot of shots. That was uh, that was one key. Uh, at Illinois, the free throw line was the only place I could really get open against those uh, against those athletes in the Big Ten, and so I had to I had to take advantage of that. Uh, but I've always uh, been connected with the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association. I'm uh, on the board of directors. Uh, it's a terrific group that supports basketball throughout the state of Illinois. And uh, basketball in the state of Illinois is absolutely phenomenal. I have had the opportunity to coach or recruit uh, all around the world, in Europe, in China, in Australia, in Canada, in Mexico, uh, throughout uh, East Coast to West Coast. And the level of basketball in the state of Illinois, thanks to the great high school coaches, the terrific players, and the talent is second to none. You talk about the fact that Coach Henson down in Illinois helped get you started a little bit from a coaching standpoint, but your father being a high school basketball coach, how early did the seed get planted in you that that's what you wanted to do career-wise? My earliest memories were really going to practice and sitting on the bench with my dad, Phil Judson. Uh, he was the is the twin brother of Paul Judson, and people will remember or have read about the uh, historic Hebron basketball team that in 1952 won the state tournament. Uh, there were no classes at the time. They had 100 uh, students in the high school, probably less than 50 boys, uh, and they won the state championship in overtime against the powerful Quincy High School basketball team. Uh, was Many uh, families watched that event on one of their first TVs, and it's, and it's amazing how people, when I'm introduced to them, will look up and to the left because they're thinking, and uh, say, are you any relation to? Because uh, they'll remember, they'll remember that team, and they'll remember, uh, they'll remember that event. So uh, uh, that that is a was it was a great background for me, and uh, certainly uh, something that uh, affected affected my basketball career and my my future in basketball. So when you were done down in Champaign, were you pretty much dead set on going into the coaching realm? I wanted to be a high school coach. That's what I. That's what I wanted to be, and uh, I was. Uh, I was able. Uh, my first year out, I was a freshman coach at Palatine High School, and then I became a head coach at Wakanda High School, and then uh, moved to Glenbrook South High School. So, I uh, was a teacher, taught uh, history and the social studies, enjoyed my time in the classroom, uh, really set the uh, my attitude to be a lifelong learner, and uh, learn a lot 
about the game of basketball at that time. The high school coaching in the Chicago area was just phenomenal. Terrific, terrific high school coaches. And again, the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association uh, was a big influence on me. Got to go to a lot of clinics, attend many practices, high school, college, junior college, and really study and learn the game. When you get into a situation like you did two years at Wakanda as the head coach and then a successful six-year run at Glenbrook South, you're established now as a successful high school coach in a good district up in the northern suburbs of Chicago. What was the impetus to make the move to the college game and, to be perfectly honest, give up a little bit of the security that came with being a high school coach and teacher? Yeah, absolutely. And we, we enjoyed our time at Glenbrook South, lived in Glenview. It was a great uh, suburb. Uh, the best player that I coached at uh, Glenbrook South, Brad Neiman, who, by the way, will be inducted into the IBCA Hall of Fame uh, this spring, uh, was recruited by DePaul. And uh, Coach Ray Meyer, uh, Joey Meyer, was replaced Ray Meyer, and his assistant was Jim Molinari. And so I got to know Jim Molinari uh, very well. Jim Molinari became the head coach at Northern Illinois and asked me to join him there as an assistant coach. Uh, and so uh, we, we made that jump. Uh, my wife, Kim, uh, who I met at Illinois, uh, was uh, uh, very supportive of that. We moved to DeKalb uh, two years at Northern Illinois with Jim Molinari. We won our league. We went to the NCAA tournament and then moved to uh, the city of Peoria and coached at Bradley for the next five years. Had success down at Bradley, obviously, as a top recruiter with the Braves. And then you had the opportunity to go back to the alma mater. We did, and we. Uh, it's it's funny now for me to be the uh, coach at assistant coach at Bradley, coach at Illinois State. They were we were big rivals at that time, and uh, so un- unusual to make that uh, to make that connection there. But uh, we we got a very good player at Bradley named Anthony Parker, who ended up being a first round draft choice. And it's funny how uh, you become a lot better coach when you get players like <laughs> Anthony Parker. Uh, so that was that was enjoyable at Bradley. Uh, won the won the Missouri Valley. Went to the NCAA tournament, and then uh, was able to go to the University of Illinois with Lon Kruger when Coach Henson retired. Lon Kruger and Jim Mullinary were great friends. They played at Kansas State together, so uh, that was a connection there that uh, that worked well for me. And uh, coached four years with Lon Kruger in Champaign and then one year with Bill Self. We won two uh, Big Ten championships, one with Lon Kruger, one with Bill Self, and advanced all the way to the Elite Eight uh, in my time with the Illini. You know, and we'll go back to Illinois, and every situation's a little bit different, but as an assistant coach, it's it's so difficult, I would think, and almost rare these days, that you hold over on a staff as an assistant coach between Lon Kruger and Bill Self. That, um, obviously, that change was successful down at Illinois as it went through it. Um, but sometimes that probably leads for some sleepless nights from a coaching standpoint. It was a, it was a great transition. I had recruited most of that team. We had some tremendous players from Peoria because of my time at, at Bradley. Uh, we recruited three Mr. Basketballs. Uh, beginning with Sergio McLean from Peoria Manual, then Brian Cook from Lincoln, then Frank Williams from Peoria Manual. And again, when you get those good players, uh, it's amazing how good of a coach you, you, you can become. <laughs> Brian, and, Brian and Frank were both uh, Big Ten players of the year. So uh, that was a tremendous. Lon Kruger left after four years to go to the Atlanta Hawks. 
so that was a great move for him. And uh, Bill Self uh, just treated me great. Uh, has been very supportive of my career throughout the years, and and that transition. Uh, with the one year with Bill was uh, was terrific, and then I moved on to become the head coach at Northern Illinois. Four year, I mean, during your time at Illinois, I should say, four NCAA tournament bursts for the Illini during that time, and then obviously back into Kelb, the Huskies come calling for the head coaching job, which was definitely a rebuild at that point and taking over, but. After having been a high school head coach and then those years on the assistant coaching staffs of some outstanding head coaches at Bradley, at Northern, and then at Illinois, you get the opportunity to be a Division One head coach. Was it Northern Illinois or was it the opportunity to be a Division One head coach that was probably the biggest impetus for your move at that point? The biggest was the opportunity to be a head coach, but very close was the Northern Illinois. Carrie Groth was the athletic director. She was assistant associate athletic director when I was uh, coaching there as an assistant. New Arena was on the way up, so it was a terrific opportunity. We did, we did have to... Uh, have to build that up the the season before I think they had they had won five uh, games uh, we won 12 our first year which uh, you know you go 12 and 18 it doesn't sound so great but when you look at it in in respect of from five to 12 uh, that was a that was a good start and we eventually built that and and were able to win our uh, uh, single uh, in the history of Northern Illinois um, division championship and uh that was a that was a uh, a very very good event and so uh the one thing we we lacked there was being able to advance to the ncaa tournament and in this day and age that's uh that's where uh, you're measured uh we had uh uh some close games in the conference tournament which in the mid-american conference is is held in cleveland so it has kind of an ohio uh tilt uh, and that league is uh, very difficult to win in that tournament because it's pretty much a, you know one team is going from that league. But uh, certainly learned a lot and continued to build the relationships throughout the the state of Illinois with uh, with all the high school coaches. Don't know that there are very many gyms that I have not been in in the state of <laughs> Illinois, uh, thanks to my my time at the at the schools here in the state. After the time at Northern Illinois, as you mentioned, you won the first. Mac West outright regular season title for the Huskies in their men's basketball history. Then your first stop here in the Twin Cities at Illinois State as an assistant coach. And how quickly did that come about after leaving Northern Illinois? And did you at that point envision yourself staying as long as you did the first time around? It was uh, it was a little bit in the works, but once again, the relationships that you develop in college basketball uh, really play out because Tim Jankovich, who was an assistant coach at Kansas for the Jayhawks under Bill Self, became the head coach here at uh, Illinois State and was looking for somebody that knew the state and knew the high school coaches. And uh, uh, we talked and it was uh, really a great uh, fit uh, for me to be able to come to Illinois State. And so uh, my time here with Tim Jankovich was, uh, was terrific. We had some really good players. We had some really good teams. I think we beat Bradley seven or eight times in a <laughs> row. Uh, so that rivalry was, uh, was intact there. We went to three different uh, Missouri Valley Conference Tournament championships 
played in four NITs, and of course, uh, just missed the NCAA tournament, you know, in several different years. And, and so that was the part that was, uh, that was uh, tough because you're always striving to uh, reach that NCAA tournament, but uh, just enjoyed it. And, uh, of course, the Bloomington Normal community w is terrific. My wife was able to uh, become a professor here. Uh, in uh, the College of Business in the marketing department, and uh, she greatly enjoyed it. So it was a it was a terrific fit uh, here at Illinois State. Having been the head coach at Northern Illinois prior to coming to Illinois State, at that point, was there a thought process of the itch to get back into a head coaching position, or was it more the variables that people don't really talk about a whole lot as your family? Your wife obviously employed here as a professor, and this is you guys are going to make the best of it kind of as a team. Absolutely. It's, it's well, it's really all of that. And uh, I, I really consider uh, myself an educator and uh, do that through through coaching. Coaching I define as inspirational teaching uh, built on a foundation of trust. You, you try to have a lot of uh, high level of urgency. Uh, in coaching and strong accountability. And so I enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed doing that with Tim Jankovich, who had been a head coach himself before he went to uh, KU with Bill Self. So uh, he and I were a terrific team, still very close uh, with Tim. He's come up and visited our uh, practices. He had a very successful second stint as a head coach at SMU uh, and still checks in to see how the, the Redbirds are doing here. And uh, that relationship is uh, is really strong. So it was uh, it was great. And we, as I mentioned, we had a lot of really good, uh, really good players that uh, made it even more enjoyable. As you said, for NIT tournament bursts during your time here, the first time around at Illinois State, and then it's off to Bloomington, Indiana, back to the Big Ten with the Hoosiers. Back to the Big Ten with uh, with Tom Crean. I had known Tom. Uh, when he was an assistant at Michigan State, I was a, an assistant at Illinois, so we had the Big Ten rivalry. A good friend of mine, Tim Buckley, who was the head coach at Ball State when I was the head coach at Northern, was on staff there. And it was uh, terrific to be able to go to uh, the Hoosiers, such a, a storied uh, basketball program. Uh, a lot, a lot of interest, unbelievable interest in the state of Indiana uh, for the Hoosiers. And uh, I went there originally uh, as a special assistant to the head coach, uh, which meant I couldn't instruct on the court, but then moved into a coaching uh, role uh, after a couple of years. And we were uh, able to win uh, another Big Ten championship uh, there, which was exciting and advanced to uh, the Sweet 16. And it was uh, just an outstanding time uh, to be in, in the Big Ten again. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. 
The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Outside of obviously being at Illinois during your playing days and as an assistant, that time at Indiana, and and you mentioned it with regard to the level of interest in the state, it's almost a religion to a lot of people in that state with regard to Hoosier basketball. Was that a real microscope from a coaching standpoint that almost I would think could paralyze not only coaches but players at times under that kind of microscope? Great way to put it, the microscope, and it's a strong microscope <laughs> there. And, and there's two sides to it because when, when you're doing well, you really are just showered with the adulation of, of the fans across the state. But if you trip it up a little bit, then the other side of it comes in and there's a lot of criticism and, and very much so for the players. We had a young man on that team, Yogi Ferrell, who was uh, one of your, your Hoosier high school legends, you know, won state championships as a high school player, then came to Indiana. And when Yogi had a great game, of course, the, the praise was showered upon him. And when he had a game where it wasn't uh, quite as good, took a lot of criticism. And so you, you really had to deal with that a lot. And so that was uh, another opportunity to learn a lot of things about uh, the mental approach, uh, how to really uh, be able to uh, just take every day, uh, whether you win or lose, uh, as Bill Belichick ha- says, you, you have to have a thickened hide uh, and and really uh, know that whether you're 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 rolling with victories or you're in a little bit of a struggle, you just have to keep pushing on, do the things that you think are right, continue to coach, continue to teach, continue to inspire and motivate and uh, and and push through. And then. After you left Indiana, five years total, four at Marquette as a special assistant to the head coach, and then last year up at DePaul, also in the Big East, as a special assistant to the head coach. In that five-year stint where, as you mentioned, you're not on the court coaching from from the standpoint of the rules by the NCAA, was it a thought that you wanted to get back on the floor coaching? Was it a thought that you wanted to go be a head coach again, or was it just these were the best options at the time for me and it was a good fit? 
uh, it was a great fit, and and I was very uh, privileged to be at uh, at Marquette, which has a long history of great basketball teams going back to Al McGuire and Hank Raymond's, Rich Majerus, all all, all the way up some terrific players. Uh, Tom Crean coached there before Indiana, coached Dwayne Wade. And then being with Steve Wojciechowski, who uh, is a terrific coach, of course, a fantastic player, National Defensive Player of the Year when he was a player at, uh, at Duke. Uh, and so uh, their staff was relatively, uh, relatively young, and so they wanted a veteran coach. Uh, and, and my view uh, was to just uh, coach the coaches. I couldn't, I couldn't instruct the players uh, per NCAA guidelines, but uh, being able to scout, being able to help with practices, uh, just recruit on campus, all, all of those things with the experiences that I had, I just tried to lend that every day to that situation at Marquette. Uh, was able to also work with Marcus Howard, who who was the leading scorer in the nation uh, one year, and uh, just a valuable, valuable experience there in Milwaukee. Uh, also very close because of uh, of the proximity and and the arena with the Milwaukee Bucks, and that was during the rise of Giannis and uh, that team. So uh, learned a lot from there, and then moving to DePaul, still in the Big East. Uh, kind of back in Illinois again, obviously, back in the city of Chicago with Tony Stubblefield as he's trying to build that uh, program back, uh, making a lot of progress there. So uh, just another step and opportunity to continue to learn and develop and, and grow in uh, both teaching and coaching. Then the opportunity to return here to SefQ Arena came this past summer. How did that all come about? Well, Ryan Peden, uh, I had known for uh, uh, quite a while uh, during our time in the Mid-American Conference as he worked at Miami of Ohio and Kent State, and then he was a special assistant uh, with John Gross at Illinois. Uh, he coached at Butler when I coached at IU. So it's, again, those coaching relationships, and you just knew that when Ryan was hired here that he had a terrific vision for this program. Uh, his teams at Ohio State uh, were leading the the country in offensive efficiency i think top 20 several years in a row you look at the players that uh he recruited uh to uh the the, the buckeyes you know recruited ej liddell from uh belleville one of the uh, uh the second player in the history of the state of Illinois to win back-to-back Mr. Basketballs, the other being Jabari Parker. So you see the recruiting aspect there. And then also the development piece where you have a number of players who go on to become draft picks and go to the uh, NBA uh, thanks to the development of Coach Peden there at, at Ohio State. So just a, a perfect fit for this program here at Illinois State. Uh, he was looking for a veteran, uh, somebody that knew the state, and so that was a great fit. And uh, we are working terrifically hard here to build this program to uh, the highest level in the Missouri Valley and uh, in college basketball. When you're a coach, there are certain things that I think are probably in your blood that don't go away. And the opportunity to go back on the floor hands-on wise from a passion standpoint is probably one that was a huge allure for you too, I think, personally. Absolutely. Uh, and that's, that's, where my, uh, that's where my energy is. That's where my, my passion lies. The NCAA did loosen 
the restrictions a little bit that year I was at DePaul where if one of the uh, recruiting coaches was out recruiting then then that day you could you could coach uh, instruct on campus but that actually made it even more frustrating because you, you you got to do it for a day or two and then and then you then you couldn't so uh the NCA is is working on 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 that and trying to make some adjust adjustments for uh for the staffs in college basketball but uh I greatly enjoy uh being out on the court teaching and instructing and building this program, giving our players the tools and giving them the fundamentals, the time-tested methods that allow them to be successful. And we're making progress. We're making progress. Sometimes we wish our progress would go a little faster, sure. uh, but we're making progress. And, and clearly, we still have work to do. We have to continue to build it with the players that we have right here. We have to continue to, to build our talent level uh, with incoming players. And uh, I'm, I'm very confident uh, that with Ryan Peden's leadership, we're going to move this program, as I mentioned, to uh, the top of the Missouri Valley. Recruiting and defense seem like they're two passions of yours. Obviously, you're heavily involved in both of those here. And I, I think the, the strides you're talking about on the defensive end have been phenomenal on the court over the last few weeks uh, as we are about mid-January when we tape this. But as you go through that, the opportunity to really get your hands on defensively and turn a ball club who's able to execute game plans, I think, now at a much higher rate from a defensive standpoint. How difficult is that from a coaching standpoint? Shots aren't involved. Points aren't involved. It's all of the tough gritty little things that don't show up at a box score well absolutely and and throughout uh, my coaching years i've i've done just about everything worked with the offense worked with the defense worked with the the inside players the perimeter players so uh the defense here uh we we, we always talk about repetition leads to habit leads to reflex and so through our time-tested fundamentals we want to continue to develop those actions that will allow us to defend at a at a high level and our consistency is getting better as a coach you want that to happen sooner quicker but we're we're coming along and uh we we have to keep pushing uh that in practice uh you you hit it right on the head with uh, our team being able to follow a game plan uh, again, Bill Belichick, who I, I try to study and read a lot of, do your job. You know, uh, defensively, we have to be able to do our job and and do our jobs regardless of the pressure of the situation. To uh, maintain our coverages, for example, on ball screens, to maintain our fundamentals both on the ball and off the ball. And, and a lot goes into it. And also uh, just the mentality of playing extremely hard, playing very physical without fouling, and setting a, a tone where in college basketball, if you can get stops and run the ball out in transition, it really helps your offense as well. The... Defensive aspect of college basketball these days, and I think we could probably expand it to offense in general. You talked about back when you were playing in Illinois, it was a different ball game. But you also mentioned the fact that you've been a lifelong learner in the coaching profession. And as you've gone through this career, both the high school and the college level over 40-some years, this game has changed drastically. Sometimes for the better, I'm sure, in some situations. Sometimes it's 
the the new toy in the store. Maybe it's the analytics. Maybe it's a certain aspect that seems to be the hot button topic that all the coaches are talking about at clinics. How have you been able to kind of stay grounded, not only dip your toes and get an understanding of the new elements of the game, but also, as you say, those tried, true aspects that have worked for decades Absolutely. If not longer. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the game uh, tends to become sophisticated, okay? And so uh, in, in today's game, the, the coaching battle is to simplify. And, and I always like to say cloudy mind, so f- slow feet, clear mind, quick feet. And so we're always trying to simplify for our players uh, their mental aspect of, of what we're trying to do defensively. You can get very, very complex with, for example, ball screen coverages, the way that the game is being played today. And so in studying and trying to simplify that down, it's a big challenge to keep that simple for our players so that they can play with a lot of effort. And... Uh, you have to stay ahead of it. The game is always changing. And so if you if you are following what other people are doing, okay, you're probably too late. What you want to do is you want to be ahead of what other people are doing and, and ahead of how uh, your team covers certain aspects of the, of the game defensively. And yet throughout that, and you can take any sport, there are those time-tested fundamentals that are never going to go away. Footwork on defense is never going to go away, okay? Talking on defense is never going to go away. Being in stance and having vision on defense is never going to go away. And so you try to build on those things again through repetition, building habits, building reflexes on the court because basketball is a game of action and reaction. And so you want your players to play with a free, open mind so that they can utilize their talents and play with very high level of effort. The other aspect that has changed drastically, and one I would think probably a little bit more difficult to stay ahead of, but definitely need to stay on top of it is the recruiting aspect and when you started i i can't imagine in the mid 80s what the wild wild west of recruiting looked like especially in the state of illinois when when i started the recruiting rules were very minimal (laughs) very minimal there were no restrictions on days on times you could call anyone anytime you could go out anywhere anytime and then over the course of my career those those things were restricted and reduced and now they're opening up again if you if you look at some of the things that were not permissible say 10 15 years ago they now are wide they now are wide open there there were some coaches who had violations and uh, were were out of the profession for a while for things that are now perfectly legal and and so you you have a development that you have to continually adjust to and 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 now you have the transfer portal and you also have the NIL and so uh, those two things I'm sure there are coaches uh, from days ago that can't even imagine that you're that you're dealing with arranging uh, or, or, or dealing with the, the transfer 
and and having you know to arrange the visits of kids who are at other schools and and now they're going to come visit your school so uh it's always moving it's always changing that's what makes it exciting because you 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 have to adjust you know you have to adjust with your team during the games you have to adjust to the recruiting you always have to uh be able to uh discern and have great discretion on uh, which way the game is headed Oftentimes, and I, I think this is probably a result of coaches being a little bit adverse to change at times, but oftentimes you'll see coaches who have been doing it a while and, and might walk away from the game because of some of these changes and say, well, it's turning into a young man's game. But the level and amount of success that you've had throughout your career in coaching, a lot of it has to do with not at all age, but passion and energy, doesn't it? Absolutely. Uh, you, you, you always want to uh, be able to inspire, as I mentioned, because I, I really think coaching is inspirational teaching. And I, I loved being in the classroom uh, as, uh, as a teacher. Had the opportunity yesterday. Uh, of course, we, we, we recognize Martin Luther King. And so my historical background was something I could, I could share some thoughts of that with, uh, with our team. Uh, but it, it really, it really is true that, uh, if you have a passion, you have an energy, uh, you enjoy it so much to be able to, uh, give young people, uh, the tools, the abilities, the processes, so that they can be successful, not only on the court, but then again, really at any aspect of their life. You know, it's very rewarding as a coach to have some uh, player that you, that you taught and instructed who, who now might be uh, 40 years old and uh, hit you with a text and say, Coach, I just appreciate this. Remember you taught me this. And now I'm doing it, and those are the rewarding things that, uh, as a coach and as a teacher and as an educator, uh, keep you going. And, you know, you really just touched on it, but, I mean, this, I think, with the level of pressure in Division One college basketball, Division One college athletics in general, the need to win, the recruiting battles, a lot of relationships, I think, between player and coach have become somewhat transactional. And... It seems like a heavy part of your passion lies in the transitional relationship of that really full person and developing the whole student athlete. Absolutely. And, and that has changed because uh, with the with the transferring now, uh, you, you, you don't have the opportunity probably to work with somebody for five years. You know, it was you'd recruit a player and maybe they redshirted and you'd, you'd build them throughout those four or five years. And now uh, that has been reduced is the reality of it. You're still going to have some of that, but that's been reduced to maybe two or three years. Uh, so you, you really want to strengthen those relationships as quickly as you can. Trust is such a huge factor with, with uh, all people, uh, particularly, though, with the, with the young people that are coming into new situations. And so building that trust, building uh, that connection uh, building those relationships where the players uh, really buy in. And that's one thing that Ryan Peden is terrific at. He's terrific at having the players uh, buy into what uh, he's teaching and how they can be successful. And so uh, that is all a big part of uh, the modern college game. You talked about, obviously, Ryan Peden's plan with this program taking over and you being a, a huge part of that, 
you obviously know the landscape of college basketball, not only in the state, but in the Midwest, very much so. This institution, this athletic department right now is really primed to be in a great position to attract some of the best student athletes around, isn't it? Absolutely. And our university is doing terrific. Biggest freshman class ever this year. Our enrollment is high. Some of the other schools in the state, uh, not so much with their uh, student uh, enrollments. Uh, but, but we have a lot of momentum here at Illinois State. And uh, under, uh, under our leadership of our athletic director, Kyle, uh, we are really headed in a high direction. And uh, the time is right. You know, it's, it's, it's such a time as, as this for our program here at Illinois State. We have a great coach in Ryan Peden, a terrific vision for this program. We have a lot of work to do still, and we all want that to uh, come quickly, but we're going to keep working every day uh, to, to build this program, not only with the student athletes that we have here right now, but those that we will recruit for the, for the future, as you mentioned, uh, because in my experience, when you do uh, have those players that you bring in, and they're able to achieve at a high level, uh, the victories go along with it. Coach, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Redbird assistant coach Rob Judson. He has been our guest on this week's edition of In the Nest. That'll do it for our show this week. For our entire crew, this is John Fitzgerald. We'll talk to you next time right here on In the Nest. This has been In the Nest the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network.